Good evening. Welcome to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. I'm an employment law and business law attorney at the law office of Eric M. Sauber. And I host this show on Talk Radio NYC every Tuesday night from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m., where I invite guests on the show to discuss the latest employment law issues and business law matters that are impacting companies and entrepreneurs during this difficult time of the pandemic. And in that spirit, today's topic will be on sales, cash flow, and people, the most critical resources for your business. Joining me tonight to discuss this important topic are two colleagues and friends of mine, Michael Ganzel and Matt Plosiak, two partners in Voice of Reason Consulting. Uh, Mike and Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Eric. Great to be here. Great, great to have you both on. Uh, I think I told you, you're both my first time of having two guests on the show at one time, so it should be an interesting and enjoyable uh, and also a very important topic for our audience tonight. All great. right. Great. That's great. Well, you'll, you'll see that Matt and I are always very different, and there's always a point and counterpoint, so I think we'll make for a lively show. It'll be fun. Yeah. I, I think so, too, gentlemen. I think so, as well. So I'm going to introduce you uh, to our audience and listeners tonight. Michael Ganzel is a hands-on entrepreneur and the seasoned Voice of Reason, uh, the trademark there, at Voice of Reason Consulting. Voice of Reason Consulting is a business consulting firm specializing in working with small business owners and their teams to implement business development and revenue growth opportunities. Michael is industry agnostic and works with companies which are privately held, have annual revenues from small startups up to $25 million, and are challenged to find solutions for problems that are holding them back and are searching for ways to take a quantum leap. Michael has the real life experience to understand what businesses need to succeed. He has been a founder and run Netland, a leading systems integration company for 15 years. And he grew it to over $18 million in sales with more than 75 people in several locations. Michael has further been involved in the leadership of five startups as well as investment and commercial banking. And Michael, it's quite an imp impressive background, I must say. Yeah, thank you so much, Eric. It's great to hear that, but I don't know, <laughs> is that really me? Okay. Do you remember all that? <laughs> I, I don't think so. It did happen in your life though. It's happening, I should say. And on that, I take us to an equally impressive uh, colleague of mine, uh, Matt Plosiak. Matt is a serial entrepreneur and author with over 30 years of experience, having started seven companies as well as having managed various small and large businesses since 1981. Matt is a co-founder of Netland, a technology systems integration and an Inc. 500 company, which he helped co-lead and manage through 15 years of computer service industry changes, which culminated in a successful sale of the firm to a NASDAQ-listed e-commerce B2B company. His skill set includes expertise in sales, marketing, operations, and financial management, and Matt has also coached more than 50 companies via peer groups for business owners dealing with revenue, expenses, and staffing issues. He is a co-founder and partners with Michael in Voice of Reason Consulting, a business consulting firm. Now together, these two gentlemen have honed decades of experience to help businesses reach success for their consulting firm. And they have their own video podcast or vodcast entitled Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt which appears on their YouTube channel as well. And I think it's a very snappy title with an excellent pun there. So um, so once again, I want to welcome you guys warmly to the show. Thanks, Thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure. All right, great. So why don't we get into our, our topic here in more detail, topic being sales, cash flow, and people, which are the most critical resources for your business. And I think that most savvy business owners would agree on the importance of maintaining successful sales keeping cash flow consistent and stable and ensuring that your employees, agents, and clients maintain a good connection and clear communication. Where business owners may struggle, at least in my opinion, is in the how, as in how to achieve such goals. And one major step is to gain clarity around your problem areas because you cannot solve a problem unless you can recognize it first. So in this episode, Michael and Matt will share with me and we'll discuss their insights and suggestions as to ways that companies can improve sales performance, plan business spending in ways that maintain their healthy cash flow, especially in light of 
PPP loans that might be coming in and improve productivity and performance among the workforce, including remote workers during COVID. So with that, I wanted to ask you both a question. Feel free to jump in. Um, but can you tell us more about Voice of Reason Consulting and what inspired you to form the business and what are some of your prime services for clients? So, you know, Matt and I had uh, founded uh, Netland in the mid-80s mid and sold it in 2000. And we had worked together day and night 15 years. When we sold the company, we still remain best of friends. We share passion for food and wine and travel. And uh, we really maintained a very strong social friendship. And about 10 years after we both went our different ways, uh, Matt doing some startups, me doing some startups, both of us doing uh, just a variety of different things, we both wound up consulting separately. And uh, Matt had an, uh, a situation where he was working in the LED world with a CEO and said, you know, Mike, this guy really needs to talk to you. I said, that's great. Started to talk to Douglas at the time. And we realized we could do this together. We didn't have to do it separately. We were so good as a team for those 15 years that we were growing the company. We just said, hey, who's better than us to work together? We know each other's foibles. We know how to yell at each other. We know how, we know how to laugh with one another. Uh, you know, so actually at this point, we've been business partners for over 25 years. And I'd say that's a real testament to, uh, to being able to have a, a, a partnership. So, um, you know, Eric, so, you know, we, um, since we're, Michael and I are both entrepreneurs, business owners, and um, have been involved in several startups, uh, we really understand the mentality of entrepreneurs and business owners. It's not easy owning a business, and particularly if you're the sole owner, who do you have to talk to? Who do you have to uh, bounce ideas off of? And one of the, I think one of the main services we provide is to push our clients to actually make decisions because not making a decision is actually making a decision because then you allow things to happen to you instead of being proactive. Absolutely. Um, you know, the other day uh, we were talking yeah. to uh, a prospect uh, who was asking us, and he said, you know, I've got such a niche business. You know, why would I want to talk to you, to the two of you? And my response was, you know, as niche as that business is, it still is mm -hmm. revenue, still expenses, and it's mm -hmm. people. Tell me, show me a business that exists that doesn't have those three common denominators. And so sure. he realized it's his job to absolutely know the niche. It's our job to really understand how to run that business within that niche. And so, you know, mm -hmm. that's really, we, we, that's what we focus on, revenue expenses and people and helping people make decisions. Yeah, you know, I think you both cover some good points there about this, the idea that, well, I like what Matt said a moment ago about how not making a decision is making a decision, right? It's deciding not to take an action and then, and then you're sort of a passive recipient of what happens as opposed to being more, um, I guess having some say, being more in control of your fate, it's the best we all can be. So it's also good to hear that you have this rich friendship and background together. I mean, I've always thought I've worked with clients of mine that are partnerships, and I've noticed that when there's a uh, experience working together for a long time, and even in some other area, it can translate very well. So I'm really glad that you guys, um, A, found each other in the first place, and then B, reconnected and are here today with your, uh, with Voice of Reason Consulting. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, Michael, a question just regarding, we're talking about sales, cash flow, and people. So I'm wondering, well, what are the main problems that you see companies struggle with regarding their sales force? And how has the pandemic impacted these problems? Well, you know, it's, it's fascinating. In the first few months uh, of the pandemic, so starting from March through May, uh, salespeople were incredibly, I felt the salespeople that I was working with in the various companies were actually uh, quite concerned that they would be too salesy if they were calling their clients and basically looking for business. Mm. So we really had to get past that hurdle. Um, you know, because at that time, March, April, May, there was a lot of people going out of business. And so being a salesperson and making that call, they were quite reluctant. But the, the, really the way we overcame that 
And the way to overcome that is it wasn't a question of looking for a sale. It was what could you provide to that client, to that prospect? What could you provide to them? What piece of information? How could you actually help them? And so we got past the reluctance by realizing we could be of help. We didn't have to ask for anything. We could be the giver. And eventually, you know, in sales, of course, then you become the taker, but you have to be first the giver. Um, the other part was Zoom selling, a whole other set of skills, right? You know, um, being on screen, very different from being face-to-face. -face. And uh, it really required uh, quite a bit of change. How do you dress? Uh, what's your background like? What's your lighting like? Uh, you know, there are many people right now that are talking all about that, but definitely um, confidence is really important in the sales picture. And so that was another learning experience. How do you perform on Zoom? From um, another thing was working in isolation. You know, not everyone is great in working without in isolation. Particularly, we always felt that a salesperson would be successful because of the team. You know, there was no I in team, but now here you are remote and there's plenty of I uh, because you're isolated. And so the issue for management at this point was, how do you reach out to your salesperson? How do you deal with the fact that they're isolated? How do you deal with the fact that they're remote? Um, and so that really was a challenge for companies to basically establish some mechanism, weekly meetings, uh, not just subject matter training sessions, but real training sessions on how to sell, again, in this new modality. Um, and of course, how to keep everybody accountable. So yeah, it was, uh, the pandemic has definitely impacted on the sales process and how people sell. Yes, it's, it's interesting, Michael, because I've heard everything you're describing that you guys uh, addressed with your clients and, and your consulting. I've heard around the last year from many colleagues in networking circles, I know we're all in network network together and we've heard people share these, these very issues. Um, I appreciate what you said about just the fact that not everyone works well in isolation. I know many colleagues uh, who are solo attorneys like myself, and some thrive in being alone, and others thrive around people. I tend to thrive around people. You know, I want to be with folks that I can bounce things off of, as you were saying. So I can imagine how recognizing that, along with the changes like Zoom as opposed to in person, it really is different. I mean, even just the eye contact in the camera. Um, so it sounds to me like you had a lot of, and then the last thing I heard was about switching the focus towards service and in that mindset, because I think if you have a certain mindset, it can totally impact how you come across on the phone or on Zoom. So good to hear some concrete examples of problems you saw. And I also heard some solutions in there as well in terms of some things you've coached people on. Um, so I appreciate that. And I wanted to run through a scenario with you. Um, actually, I, I think we're coming up on a commercial break, so maybe I can read the scenario now and then we can run through it after the break and that way we're not starting it right before. But the scenario would be that sometimes it helps people, I think, to your solution to a fact pattern. So I'm wondering if we have this scenario number one uh, that I came up with here. Um, company, call them uh, Sell Me Some More Inc. Uh, is a small company with 150 employees in the field of, let's say, property and casualty insurance. And their prior sales model, um, say, involved salespeople making in-person lunches, meetings, and social social outings with prospective clients. And that's about 50% of the time. And the other half of the time, they devoted to cold calls and social media outreach. And this is kind of interesting because they came up with the scenario, it's kind of what you were talking about a moment ago, Michael. But now in the past years, let's say suppose sales have dropped by 40%, 40% uh, drop off in sales, despite the industry's activity not dropping by that much. And so during a sales team meeting on Zoom, each person, each salesperson says, hey, they're making all the cold calls, doing all their Zoom meetings. They cannot seem to close on the prospective sales like they used to pre-COVID. So that's basically it. It's just having trouble closing sales, doing it remotely, and how would you troubleshoot the situation? What would you look for? What solutions might you offer? And before you gentlemen answer that, I want to say that we need to take a break. Uh, 
so it's perfect timing. So folks, I'm Eric Sauver, host of Employment Law Today, here tonight with Michael Gamble and Matt Plosiek uh, of Voice of Reason Consulting. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauver, here on Talk Radio NYC. Here tonight with my guest, Michael Gansel and Matt Plusiak, two long-standing business partners who are uh, the partners and founders of Voice of Reason Consulting. And so prior to the commercial, I gave that hypothetical scenario that I think a lot of listeners tonight might be able to relate to if you're a company or a small business and you have sales and the sales have been dropping during COVID, trouble closing. So I'm wondering for both you gentlemen, Matt and Mike, uh, how would you troubleshoot that situation? Matt, do you want me to take a crack at it first? Or do you yeah, want why don't you go first and then uh, I'll put my two cents. This would be a perfect example of point. This is a perfect example of point and counterpoint because actually mm-hmm. our clients have uh, come to actually enjoy the fact that I'll say one thing and Matt won't agree and then I'll disagree and he won't, he'll disagree and we'll get a real good show. But in the end, um, they'll find that it's great to have at least those two opinions in the room. So uh, the, the topic that you, you know, the scenario is not a simple one. So the first thing I would start with is I'd really want to bring marketing into the picture. And I really want to talk about what's a marketing qualified lead and what's a sales qualified lead. Because, you know, um, in reality here, uh, obviously things change. Sales dropped 50% uh, and the salespeople, cold calls became an issue, et cetera. So really the issue really comes down to is, is marketing getting qualified leads for salespeople to follow up on? Are they integrated? Do they, do they know what the target is? 
and are they reaching for the same target? So I think the first thing to do is really get your marketing team. If you've got a company big enough with 150 employees, they definitely have a marketing team. Got to get your marketing team in, your sales team in, and you really have to develop what we'll call the buyer persona, which is basically who is the target, and then really go after the target appropriately. Now, when it comes to this, this so now, now let's put it on to sales. Let's assume that marketing is delivering qualified leads. Okay. Now, qualified, we'll put into kind of like quotes. It is now the salesman's job to really qualify that lead to become a prospect. What does that mean? That means that there are four basic elements in, this, in the identifying a prospect. There's mm-hmm. pain, which is an emotionally compelling reason to act for change. There's what's the time frame. There is the budget. And then there is what is the decision-making process? Not necessarily the decision-maker, but how are decisions made in the organization? Now, if we want to increase the ability of our salespeople to close, we really have got to get them to understand that sales process in terms of identifying who is a real prospect and who isn't. And we often talk about, we have this concept called the go for the no, which means that, Matt, you know what the go for the no is. Uh, yeah, you're, the faster you get <clears throat> to either a yes or a no, the faster you reduce the sales cycle. Exactly, because the most important element in the sales process is each salesperson has a limited amount of time. We, time is finite, not infinite. And so the faster you can get to whether you've qualified your prospect, mm. the more the ability you have to close that prospect or to go on to other prospects who you can close. So training is really important, creating <clears throat> marketing and sales training. And then training is not a one-time thing. It's repetition, repetition, repetition. So it's up to management to basically have consistent training on subject matter, whatever the product or the services you're selling, and then the actual how to sell, which is critical. Mm-hmm. So now one of the most important things is holding people accountable. Mm-hmm. So I often like the development of a scorecard. And a mm-hmm. scorecard basically is, you know, how many time, how many calls, how many dials have you made? How many calls have you made? How many emails have you made? You know, how many t- uh, c- conversations you've had with referral partners? Basically, it's up to the sales management leadership to basically have a scorecard and hold mm-hmm. everyone on the team accountable, as well as the total team. And you can set all kinds of incentives. You know, earlier we talked about isolation working remotely. Well, this is a great way to build the team, build a scorecard, and not just focus on the individuals, but focus on the totality of the team's performance. So those are some things that I would basically talk to uh, in, in this scenario. Matt? Well, as, as Michael, you know, I'm, I'm a very big metrics guy. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, with um, a company that's been in business for a while, has some idea of um, what a close ratio is. So let's let's for instance, if they if they sent out a hundred proposals, maybe mm-hmm. they're getting twenty five or thirty of those closed. Right, so, right. and then you work backwards. If if I sent out twenty five proposals, how many meetings do I have to have, either Zoom or in person? How many mm-hmm. phone calls do I have to have? How many prospects do I have to have to get those number of meetings? Mm -hmm. And how many marketing leads do I need to get those number of prospects? So um, I think tracking those and seeing maybe maybe some of those ratios have changed because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And then you may have to adjust your strategy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe maybe, uh, you can only close 10 uh, proposals out of 100 now. So instead of needing 25, you need, you know, almost three times as much to get the same level of sales. So I think uh, looking at the historical and current metrics are critical to figure out what, uh, what's the problem and where the fix should be. Interesting. I mean, one thing I hear in agreement with both of you, it has to do with specifics, right? Getting into details, getting clarity, getting clear on what someone's performance is and what categories. And um, I definitely, am, I like the idea of like sort of taking what's known and working backwards, but also acknowledging that 
we're in a different environment now. So the old metrics or the old methods, right, that used to work, they may have worked great in 2018, 2019, but 2020 and it uh, looks like a chunk of 2021 um, might be right a different game. So if you have a different game, different rules, maybe different things to look at. It's interesting. It's a good uh, response there. And Michael, too, your, your points, just kind of what, what came to mind for me was the idea of um, making it a team effort so that the people are connected. It kind of builds an incentive. Um, all, all things that think I hope our audience can relate to. And I know for one, know that uh, just seeing how business has changed in the pandemic has forced me to interact with my clients in different ways. More Zoom calls, more uh, uh, video or Microsoft Teams and phone. So I appreciate what you're saying. And Michael, did you have something you're about to? I wanted to add one more uh, technique that was really very, works tremendously is mm-hmm. role playing. Role playing yeah. in, in the sales process. You know, I've been working with cold callers uh, recently, and um, we've it's, we've had the CMO uh, basically be the prospect and the cold caller be the salesperson. And mm. you know, but what we did was we changed mm. it around. We made the CMO the cold caller, and we made the cold caller the prospect. And you can really see how dramatically that changed the role playing. And so. It's a very effective technique, and in particular with sales teams that are working remotely, and of hmm. course, as I've talked about having sales training, role-playing is very effective, and um, it's, been, it's been working quite well during the pandemic for some of our clients. Wow. Sounds like some interesting stuff there. I've heard, incidentally, that last point, Michael, I've heard that uh, a lot of actors, when they're creating scenes for a movie or show, sometimes they'll actually have an actor, let's say, switch the roles up and so one person will play the other role and then they'll go back and then it gives i guess perspective of what the other person on the other side is experiencing i know often in law we mm-hmm. will practice our arguments by pretending to be the other side the opposing side let's say and make their arguments and then we'll counter it with whether it's a counsel or a partner or a co-counsel in a case so so i appreciate this um sounds like a really thorough answer there that i hope people are you know, have some good takeaways from, and it makes me want to ask more questions of, of you gentlemen. I think we're all here, if I may. Great. Um, so this question is for Matt, if I can. Um, could you tell us, Matt, some of the perhaps the biggest problems companies have with maintaining their cash flow in a consistent way? And especially sure. again, so COVID, we're a couple yeah. of minutes away from a break, but um, sure. let me just tell you, there's there's three or four things that I believe every owner needs to know on a daily basis regarding cash flow. He needs to know how much cash is in the bank. Mm-hmm. How much is he going to collect this week? Not this month, this week. And, you know, I don't know is not an acceptable answer. Um, what my, um, what, what my uh, accounts receivable look like? Mm-hmm. And what um what are this week's sales closings going to look like? And those four things are critical to understanding and knowing what your cash flow is on a weekly basis because you must know on a weekly basis because rent, uh, payroll, insurance payments are due on a certain date. It's mm-hmm. not about on the 15th. It's on the 15th. If you don't have the $25,000 for payroll on the 15th, your people don't get paid. And you don't want to do that. And you do not want to do that. Right. You know, I'd love to hear a little more about that and other questions uh, and maybe perhaps hypothetical as well. Matt, thank you for that answer. I hear some good clarity and some good just the idea of the importance of your clients getting clear. That's what I take away part. Um, we have to take a commercial break. So I'm Eric Sauber, host of Employment Law Today. I'm also a business law and employment law attorney representing companies and business owners. And I'm here with Mike Gamsel and Matt Plosiak, uh, the two partners in Voice of Reason Consulting. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. 
Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. back to Employment Law Today. I'm here with my guest tonight, uh, Michael Gansel and Matt Polistiak from Voice of Reason Consulting. And right before the break, I asked Matt a question. I always want to give my guests time to give their answer in full. Uh, the question I asked Matt was about uh, the biggest problem that companies are having with their maintaining their cash flow in a consistent way. And Matt, did you want to add something to your answer? Just to yeah, so I want to just elaborate a little bit about how one can set up a relatively simple cash flow sheet. Actually, Matt, if you wait for the scenario, I think you'd be, we'd be better off with that. I think maybe just repeat those four things because those are really critical things. Sure. So um, <clears throat> the four critical areas that um, I believe an owner needs to know on a daily basis is how much cash is in the bank. How much is being collected this week from accounts receivable? So knowing what your accounts receivable status is, um, what uh, items you are uh, closing this week and what cash is coming in from those sales. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, uh, what bills do have to get paid this week, right? That's the outflow. So you need to know what that is as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Matt. And all, I think, things that a business owner can know, even in uncertain times, they can know how much cash they have in the bank. They can know what's due to go out, you know, as, to, as per cash flow. Um, it actually brings you perhaps to another hypothetical for you gentlemen, uh, Mike and Matt, to troubleshoot if, if we can. Um, are we ready for another uh, hypothetical here? Yeah, sure. it's just one more thing. I wanted to make sure that Matt said this earlier and just repeat it. I sure. don't know is not an acceptable answer. Yeah, so sometimes you, owner, if I ask an owner how much you're collecting this week, they say, I don't know. Mm. You can't run a business with I don't know. Right. It comes back to a point we all talked about earlier in the evening about clarity, right? You have to have clarity. Yeah. You have to know what a problem is to be able to solve it. And if you don't have the details, you know, you can't go to your bookkeeper and say, eh, I'm not sure about the numbers, but guests, you know, round up. So good, good, good point there, really, to make. Um, let me walk you both through a scenario, a scenario if I may. Sure. Um, sure. Okay. I'll take another company called, let's say, Low on Dough, Inc. 
uh, a technology startup with 20 full-time employees. So suppose they're providing marketing analytics and advertising to their, for their clients. And let's say their compensation is set up so that they receive say one third of their fee upfront and then the rest of the money they get when they complete their client's marketing campaign or marketing analytics, usually within three to six months from the time of the upfront fee. I've represented several tech companies over the years, so I've seen this uh, model in action. We've seen but it. Suppose, oh, you have as well. Okay, great. So suppose the company uh, has often struggled with cash flow. They come to you guys and say, Mike, Matt, you know, it seems like at the midway mark between that first payment and the end of the project payout, we're flush with cash for a couple of weeks. And then after expenses are paid, uh, we don't have any cash on hand to pay the bills on time. So suppose this company now took a large hit in 2020, and then they applied for and got PPP loan assistance. Maybe they received, say, $200,000. Um, and they find themselves still struggling with too little cash on hand at the end of certain months to pay their bills. So I'm wondering, that set of facts, how might you approach this company to help them solve this problem? Well, uh, the first thing I would do is to uh, help them create a weekly cash flow. Okay. So basically, um, it's quite simple. Uh, we The first part of the sheet at the top, starting from the top, you list your clients, right? Um, you have every, I like to do it, you could do it from either whatever day of the week you want, but I'd like to start every uh, day, week of the uh, Monday is the first week, first day of the week, right? So across the top. Every column is this week, next week, the week after, et cetera, going out, uh, you know, at least at least a couple of months. Okay. Um, and, you know, the further out you go, the more of it is a guesstimate, but it's better than nothing. Sure. So, um, so what we do is we list the clients for the, in the first several rows. Mm -hmm. And when, uh, when do I expect to get, payment from those clients this month. You know, which week is it coming in, right? And then at, it, at the end of each week, I have a total of how much cash is coming in. And then I've got uh, what my expenses are going out. Is it payroll, is it insurance payments, maybe rent, et cetera. I got accounts payable, et cetera. And I like to put those as a negative number in red so you okay. see it as outflow. Um, the money coming in is in black and it is sure. money coming in. And then at the end uh, of every week, I total up all of the outgo. So I do a sum of the, the rows that have, are the expenses. Uh, then we have a number that's called cash in bank at the beginning of the week. So. Monday morning, I got $10,000 that goes into that row for that particular week. And then, so I, then I, then this, what the sheet does is add the money coming in that week, subtract the expenses, plus what I started in the bank, and that's my bank balance. Now, and that goes, that flows through the sheet, let's say just for two months. So you, once you do that, Let's just do it for a month. Once you do it for a month, you may find that there's a week or two where the bank or the cash balance is negative, mm -hmm. which is obviously not a good thing. So you either have to move some expenses to a different week, collect more money, make more sales, uh, borrow money, or put money out of your pocket into the business. So you know those one of those things. This is a perfect example. This is a perfect example of whether the numbers dictate the strategy or the strategy dictate the numbers. Right. Not, we have a debate about that, but I think okay. with this, with the level of clarity that Matt has presented about doing a weekly cash flow worksheet, mm -hmm. you can see that in this particular case, from a pure tactics, the numbers are actually dictating strategy. Right. So interesting. I, it's interesting too because I I wonder if the if the sheets may change. Let's say if 
an expected payment is due in and then all of a sudden it just doesn't come in or it bounces. Sure. That I guess would then, that's what Matt mentioned a moment ago, Matt, about requiring, let's say, uh, yeah, okay, now we shift energy. Yeah, then you'll have to make some decisions, right? Of what needs to happen. So in this particular case, yeah. um, one of the things I would recommend is a some type of progress payment uh, between the time they get the deposit and the mm -hmm. time they finish a project um, because it's not easy to run a business. If you've, you know, the, if a project lasts three to six months, mm -hmm. you just, you know, it's very difficult uh, to run the business that way unless uh, you just have a big pile of cash sitting in the bank. Right. Now, one of the things that I would recommend in this Wait, scenario yeah. is to change the fee, the up free, the upfront fee. I mm -hmm. would increase that to fifty percent, and you know, and so I know you get a lot of we've we've made this recommendation to clients exactly in this situation, and we do get a lot of pushback. Well, I don't know; they're not going to give us fifty percent. But what we say is, there are those who will give you the fifty percent, and there are those who won't. What's to stop you from asking for those right. that will? And so that's one of the ways you can alleviate this issue <clears throat> here is get yep. more money up front. Sure. There's, I mean, again, there's also you can change, uh, make this more milestone payments. So you can mm -hmm. say that, you know, if we achieve a certain result in X period of time, we get a payment and so on and so forth. So it doesn't have to be one third um, just up front. It can be a variety right. of different ways. It's interesting. You know, to me, it's, it goes back to that question of numbers dictate strategy, does strategy dictate numbers, or are they really an interconnected cycle that flow into each other to some degree? And I'm kind of hearing the latter, maybe that's a, a flowing it's cycle. True. So what, you know, what happens, the numbers really are mm -hmm. telling you what the constraints are. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're a, if you're a million dollar business, it's yeah. unlikely you're going to be able to spend $500,000 on marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, you might be able to spend a hundred thousand on marketing, right? But, you know that's going to get you only X uh, amount of response, right? Right. I mean, this this really to me, I think, is not. It's a. I'm sure an issue that comes up a lot with COVID, but it's been a long time issue. I've witnessed with everything from uh, colleagues or clients or friends. You know, I had a friend many years ago in 2000 was working for a dot-com and uh, they were in that dot-com bubble before it burst and they were spending like crazy the company and my friend predicted that you know this is not going to be a good thing uh, and unfortunately he was right the company went, went bankrupt but you know I think it goes to that point that people need outside influence or outside I should say more like consulting outside guidance to look in right to the, sort of like take an aerial view and look down and say okay Let's not get too stuck in one way of doing things. Let's reconsider how we uh, charge, or let's reconsider if we're sounding too salesy, or if we just go for something, you know. So, I think really good uh, responses there. And you know, we are coming up on a commercial break, so perhaps this might be a good uh, time for a break. When I come, we come back. I'll be here, Eric Sauber, still your host, still employment law business law attorney at the law firm Eric M. Sauber, and I'll be here with my colleagues and friends, Michael Gansel and Matt Plosiak from uh, Voice of Reason Consulting. So everybody stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. 
every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauver. Um, and our, I'm here tonight with Mike Gansel and Matt Plosiak from uh, Voice of Reason Consulting. And I should note that our topic tonight we've been discussing so far has to do with sales, cash flow, and people, the most critical resources for your business. And so, uh, Matt, Mike, I just want to say, you know, it's clear that you guys love what you do. I know you've mentioned that and it shows. And really appreciate this and um, all the, the feedback you're giving for our, our audience tonight, people listening or entrepreneurs or small business, big business. Uh, it's, it's all all good stuff. So with that, uh, why don't we do a third and final scenario? I would love to do five more, but the time constraints are such that we can maybe do a third if that works for you. Can we do one more? Yeah, I would love this one. This sure. is a good one. Sure. Okay. Um, so this would be, now I've heard about your approach to working with clients and starting your engagement with, as Mike's called it, I suppose you call this, Matt, too, a, a SWOT, um, sort of analysis of your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So I was thinking of a scenario that our audience would like to hear how a SWOT works and maybe the results you can achieve. Um, so let's say it's a, a moving and storage company. Uh, say Ray is moving and storage, and they're a small company with 25 employees who are movers, uh, foremen, project managers, and a warehouse staff. And they also have a small uh, leadership team, uh, which is Ray, right? A longtime salesperson. He's also a relative of, uh, of a marketing administrator. And let's say Ray was formerly a mover. So he knows the trade, he understands the business and he has excellent accounts. He has a good reputation. Um, he's willing to invest in the business but he just can't seem to grow it on his own. He just can't seem to make the business grow. So let's say you guys met Ray at a networking event uh, and you start a conversation and he talks about this and you say, hey, I've got this SWAT uh, engagement with you. Uh, can you tell our audience what happens in a SWAT? What happens next? Sure. So in a SWAT, um, basically we'll meet with the leadership team. In this particular instance, let's say with Ray, um, really wasn't the salesperson really wasn't delivering and the marketing person really wasn't quite. So really this was just meeting with Ray. And right. but often enough, we'll meet with the leadership team, all of the stakeholders in an organization. And we'll sit down and really, first thing we're going to do is we're going to define what strengths, weaknesses, threats, and opportunities are generically. So, uh, uh, sorry, strengths and weaknesses are endemic to the company. Opportunities and threats are outside. And so we make that clear. and We understand that. We go through that definition. We're very clear. And then we're now prior to the SWAT. Now this is where I think uh, we have a unique approach, which separates us a little bit than just being financial. We ask for them to provide us with their P&L and all their financial information. And since Matt and I are always focused on generating revenue, we want to see what every item in their P&L, how does it relate to their revenue, to the generation of revenue? And so we'll take every line item as a percentage of revenue, which means that when you're talking about growth, if you see what your percentage of marketing is to your, in terms of how much you've invested in marketing to how much revenue you're generating, and it's very little, 
Mm-hmm. And you really have to look at that business owner and say, well, how do you expect to triple your sales if you are keeping your marketing investment at this number? Because, mm. Right. Or your sales or your payroll, et cetera. So we look at that. And so we come armed with this information prior to actually being in front of the leadership team. And once we get in front of the leadership team, we have a a template. And we have a template that really talks about marketing and sales and operations and processes and people, every every element. But the, the, the reality is, despite the fact that we have a template, and we've asked them to fill out many of these questions prior to meeting with us, every SWOT is unique. This is where we come down to the niche issues. This is where we come down to every every answer is different to the f- if you say tell me identify your current market or tell me what are your sweet spots or what are your problematic spots despite the fact that it's a template asking these questions you know the answers are going to be incredibly different. Mm. So we spend a good uh, 2 to 3 hours asking every question that we can about marketing, sales, operations, processes, and the people. Mm-hmm. So okay. that's part of the swap. Mm-hmm. Right. We take copious notes. Um, we'll then, Matt and I will go back and spend several hours just actually discussing, debating what we've uncovered. And we will put together a series of recommendations and what we call an action plan. And you could call it a business plan, but really, we always look to simplify the situation. So we'll mm-hmm. call it an action plan with recommendations. We'll send it to our leadership team that we've been working the leadership team we've been working with. And then um, we'll meet again. And mm-hmm. we'll meet again for another hour and a half to two hours. And we will see if what we have seen with our eyes, what we've heard with our ears, resonates with the business owner. In particular, let's go back to Ray for a moment, because this was really the most fascinating thing. We said that Ray was in moving and storage. But mm-hmm. Matt will tell you, what was the thing that we uncovered in the swap? Well, we, we, found, we found out that his storage business was, had like a 60% margin, whereas the moving business had like a 30% margin. So mm-hmm. you don't have to be a genius. What business would I want to grow fastest? The storage business, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, in the storage business, in the moving business, I have to sell a project every day. In the mm. storage business, I have to sell it once, and it's with me for months, if not years. Mm. So I wake up on May 1st, and I already have thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 of revenue coming in without doing anything because it's in my warehouse. Right. Right. We're yes. always looking for that recurring revenue where we can find it. And of course, the key in, and also in the SWAT, which we work with our clients and our prospects, is to understand mm-hmm. the difference between top line revenue and mm-hmm. bottom line revenue. Top line mm-hmm. revenue is sexy. Mm-hmm. Bottom line revenue pays the bills. Uh, I see. So, so, it's, mm-hmm. so in the end, in this particular instance, we met mm-hmm. with Ray. We provided the SWAT. We went through this. We defined new services, new markets, new targets. Uh, we looked at the business development process, and um, we looked at the sales process, and we looked at what tools and resources are required to have made that change and to really have shifted the business. Hmm. That's basically how we. And, and all the all our our recommendations are focused based on what the owner says his or her goals are. I see. So you know some you know some that. Some want to grow the sales 25, 30%. Some want to spend less time in the business. Some want to double the business. Some want to sell the business maybe in three to five years. Right. So it really depends on, you know, what the owner's goals are. And that's how we tailor our recommendations based on what we've found. You know, I'm looking at the clock, Eric, and I know we're running out of time. Yeah, so, but as you can see, we could go on and on because <laughs> we love this stuff. We really- I, I can tell. Yeah, you know, and we do have um, three minutes left, but I think we covered a lot tonight. You know, I'll just quickly note that I observed that it takes you know all that time and analysis and energy of both of you looking in that a person like Ray on his own, I think, couldn't do it alone. And you know, I would obviously either more things I wanted to say, but I'd rather just give the time to you guys. We have a couple minutes to the end of the show. Could anything else you want to talk about in the next two minutes in terms of 
upcoming promotions, your podcast, events, people can find you? Sure. Well, uh, first of all, our website is voiceofreasonconsulting.com. So everyone can find us there. Uh, Matt and I are both on LinkedIn. Mike, uh, you know, Michael Gansel, uh, Matt Kosiak. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. We have uh, our Mike and Matt, um, Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt. We have a YouTube channel. And we also have Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt, a podcast that we did uh, in 2019 and 20, uh, mm-hmm. which you can find on Apple uh, on Apple uh, Podcast or just any, any place you can find podcasts. And um, we do have an initiative called the Strategic Advisory Board, where mm-hmm. we are setting up boards of directors with for business owners of small and medium-sized businesses who can have the power of a board of directors of their own peers and the power of several consultants, Matt, myself, and two other mm-hmm. gentlemen, Bob Heiss and Larry Sashin. So I know we're running out of time. I guess that's, that's it for us. I want to thank you. I know Matt and I want to thank you for this opportunity. Eric, this was fun. Thank you so much for inviting us. Yes. So I'm Mike. I'm Matt. <laughs> and we're the Voices of Reason, Voice of Consulting. Thanks so much, Eric. You, you're welcome, guys. I just, you know, wow, it was a great wrap-up in two minutes there. You did an awesome job. Um, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. And I want to say that, you know, Matt and Mike, you both gave really good insights. And I hope our audience has some great takeaways. And I hope they reach out to you if they have any desire to grow their revenue in their business. I'm Eric Sovereign, the host of Employment Law Today, every Tuesday night, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on Talk Radio NYC. If you like what you've seen and want to come back for more, by all means, please join us on Tuesday nights. Uh, have a great night, and thank you all. And Matt, Mike, a pleasure, and have a great night. Thank you, Eric. Thanks so much. Take care. Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military, and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you listeners looking to boost your business. Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. 
Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 